This is a Federal News Network podcast. The National Academy of Public Administration indeed offered up its highly anticipated diagnosis of the Office of Personnel Management. The results might have been not all that surprising, but they describe an urgent need to refocus and reprioritize OPM as the human capital leader in the federal government. NAPA's report includes 23 recommendations, and it stems from a request Congress made in reaction to the previous administration's proposal to merge and reorganize OPM. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now with what is the latest in this 114-page review. And uh, this is something you have uh, studied quite a bit in a short period of time, Nicole. Let's start with some of the challenges NAPA identified with OPM. Tom, we're reviewing this report. It is uh, quite lengthy here. But our first look at the report shows, you know, I think what most people would expect to have been following OPM and just the federal workforce in general over the past couple of years. And I would even say that the challenges that NAPA describes aren't necessarily confined to the previous administration. They go back to the Obama administration and even well before that. So NAPA describes OPM as an agency that has really had inconsistent leadership over the years, funding challenges in part due to decisions to, one, have OPM's budget be sort of fragmented between appropriations and a fee-for-service organization. So there are funding challenges, leadership issues, and also a lack of attention and focus from, from Congress as well. You know, none of these challenges are necessarily new, but Congress hasn't really paid attention to them, except when there's a crisis, like an OPM cyber breach, for example. And then they, I think, more interestingly describe the views that agencies have of OPM. And they see OPM as one that is reactive, not proactive, one that isn't really conducting forward-leaning research and predictions on where the workforce is going and then giving guidance on how to prepare and adapt for that new kind of workforce of the future. Interestingly enough, NAPA described uh, some challenges with the Chief Human Capital Officers Council, essentially saying that the council is underutilized. And Peter Levine, he is a NAPA fellow and one of the participants of this particular study panel, and he served in several different personnel roles at the Defense Department in recent years. And he described what the Academy heard from agencies and chief human capital officers about OPM. The rapid turnover in OPM leadership, the vacancy in senior positions, has undermined their ability to know who to go to with human capital issues. So the Chico Council, for example, because the Chico Council wasn't formally meeting with the director of OPM as chair, they started informally meeting without OPM even being there. That's an indication of what the status of OPM was among human capital officers across the the federal government. It was, I'm afraid, viewed as being too often absent on issues that mattered. That's Peter Levine, an APA fellow and one of the participants of this particular OPM study really describing, I think, a concerning picture there. Um, OPM is supposed to be a leader of the Chico Council, and now some of that did move over to the General Services Administration because of the merger proposal, but not having your Chicos know where to go for guidance and, and policy information and then meeting without you, it's not a good look. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. And yes, the Trump administration tried to make that case that moving pieces of OPM mainly to GSA for operational and the rest basically into the White House. And they did succeed in getting the clearance process back to DOD. What did Napa say about all that? So interestingly enough, Tom, Napa doesn't propose any 
wholesale kind of lift and shift of OPM functions to another agency. In fact, they're pretty clear in saying that retirement services and healthcare, those are two things that OPM does well for the most part. There are, of course, challenges, and a lot of that goes back to you know, the legacy IT systems that OPM has and needs to modernize, frankly. But they essentially said, you know, if it's not broken, don't move it. Interestingly enough, they also say with HR Solutions, that is the agency's fee-for-service policy entity, they provide training and other courses, certifications sometimes uh, to other agencies. They said that that shouldn't move either. And that was another proposal from the previous administration. The thought there is that OPM provides policy for agencies, but yet they ask agencies to pay for services to essentially meet OPM's requirements. And Napa says that is not what OPM should be doing. They should have enough funding on its own to simply provide those services and not ask agencies to pay for them. Here's Levine again. He explains that piece a little bit more. There there are areas where it's appropriate for OPM to be charging fees for services, where OPM is providing something unique and building something unique for an agency. What we don't think that OPM should be doing is to be charging to interpret the rules that it writes and to help agencies navigate their way through the system. OPM should be in the position as a strategic human capital agency of helping agencies solve their solve their human capital problems. And that means you can't be in a position of saying, I'm going to charge you to help. That's Peter Levine, again, one of the NAPA fellows who participated in this uh, panel study here. All right. So it doesn't sound like all that revolutionary, what the NAPA study came up with. Have you had any reaction yet? Have you heard what people have said about it that might be affected by what the report recommends? So I think people are still reading the report. It is quite long, um, but we have heard some reactions so far, notably one from the agency's acting director, Kathleen McGettigan, who is a longtime career official at OPM. And she said the effort to dismantle OPM under the previous administration was disruptive to agency operations and detrimental to workforce morale. We are pleased to close that chapter and eager to continue the important work of reinvigorating the agency, rebuilding workforce capacity, implementing a sustainable funding model, and reasserting OPM's posture as a strategic partner to federal agencies on matters of human capital management. It's a pretty strong response, uh, frankly, from the agency, especially in regard to the previous administration's merger proposal. And I should mention, Tom, that you know Napa, while the merger was the impetus for this report, they weren't here to necessarily weigh in on the specific merger proposal, although they did say, I think notably, that their analysis found that moving forward with that proposal wouldn't have necessarily solved OPM's challenges which I think is important to note. They also mention that the sheer proposal itself brought about a lot of uncertainty. It forced staff to leave, to find other jobs, and it really hindered the agency's ability to do work during that time. I'll also note, you know, I think in speaking to a senior OPM official about this report, there's definitely some gratitude there that, you know, Napa provided a pretty comprehensive look at the agency and its challenges. And the agency seems pretty eager, I think, to work with Congress on a path forward, you know, acknowledging, though, that they might not agree with all of the recommendations, but they likely will agree on some of them. And now it's a matter of OPM and this new administration to work with Congress 
to, you know, change some laws and, uh, you know, really re-empower and reinvigorate OPM as envisioned, uh, broadly speaking, by the Academy. So the next step we can expect would be hearings in Congress on this. I think we'll see hearings, but OPM has about six months or so to respond to this report and offer up its, you know, own recommendations, I guess its own views on some of the recommendations that NAPA provided. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out her story at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, Think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.